Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tailing, a podcast about people for people. Welcome to Tailing, a space where we as millennials talk about the issues that matter to us. We explore the moments in life which moved, challenged, and shaped us into the people we are. We're here to laugh, share, listen, and talk about it all. We just semi got distracted by how cool my mic is. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even that expensive. It was like a hundred and something. So I was like, that's a pretty good investment. And all the other mics, like they had, like there was just too much to do with it. And I was just like, what the hell? And I'm not a tech person. So I was getting oh, yeah. very overwhelmed. Oh, and, I always get really overwhelmed by the choice paradox. Yeah. And I was even like, oh, do I even want to start this? Because I was freaking out about it. And then my friend's boyfriend recommended this, and then I was like, okay. And I did a bit of research, but not really. I'm not, like, a super researchy person. Like, I'm not that person who's like, if I'm going to buy this, I'm going to, like, research the shit out of it. I was just like, okay, if you say it's good, I'll get it. <laughs> but anyways. Um, this is a good call. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so hi, everyone. I'm here with Charlie um, and... Charlie and I met through a mutual friend called Johnny. Shout out to Johnny. And slash we met two years ago. We realized. Well, actually, I always knew that we met each other, but I don't think I spoke to you on that night. I think I was just like, hi. Yeah. You're like Johnny's friends. Um, but yeah, but how old are you, Charlie? Yeah, I'm 22. Okay, cool. Um, and where were you born? I was born in Brisbane. Ah, uh, Brizzy. I grew up in a house in Brookfield. Not sure if you know where that is. It's like in the western suburbs, a little bit out of town on Acreage. Okay. Where is that close to? Ipswich. I live in is Ipswich. It, like, oh, is I'm it sure. like Springfield sort of area? Uh, it's like Pool and Vale. Do you know where Pool and Vale is? No. Uh, do you know where Morgul is? It sounds familiar, but like not really. So if Ipswich is like here or mm. southwest. Yeah. Then Brookfield's west of the city. Okay. <laughs> well, I've heard of, like, Brookfield, but then I've never, like, been there or, like, truly, like, can be like, oh, it's here, but, like... Oh. It's really nice. Okay, cool. It's, yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, so, yeah, you were born there, and then where did you go to primary school? Brookfield State School. Brookfield State School? Yeah. Okay, cool. What was that like in terms of, like, when you were... At, prim- at primary school, like your experience with school? I really enjoyed it. Yeah? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. So, like, lots of different walks of people and stuff. I mean, looking back on it now, I see that I was exposed to a really wide variety of people. But at the time, I wasn't aware of that. So I just had lots of fun with everyone around me. Yeah, and being 
Do you mean in terms of like social economic or more in terms of like race and both? Both. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's so funny because when I first moved to Australia in like 2005, that my primary school was like predominantly like Caucasian. Um, and then for a while, I was probably like the only black kid or like only like other like ethnicity. But then I went to like Sherwood, which is like pretty Caucasian. Yeah. So. Yeah. The sector um, and whatnot. Um, but then when you were like in primary school and just like as a little boy, like how, I don't know, this is so like abstract, but how do you think that you, I don't know, viewed the world or so, or like what did you think of the world at that time? That's a good question. I mean. But like so vague. I kind of just thought the sun shined out of my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'd heard these crazy stories about the outside of what I knew. Yeah. But, and okay, it was always, visu- I always visualize it as complicated shapes and patterns mm-hmm. of, but like blurred, of like blurred images of stories that I've been told. Okay. You know, I, as like a bigger picture, I mean, in primary school, I was really, really naive obviously and my my dad died when I was eight so Mm. at that young age I was very you know spiritual and metaphorical because everything that I thought I knew up until that point completely changed so much yeah so you would have been grade what four three three oh my god how what was your relationship like with your dad fantastic yeah yeah I still have really fond memories at a very young age with him Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was really good. How old were your parents when they had you? So mum was 44. Really? Yeah, I was her last egg. Oh, how many siblings do you have? I'm the youngest of five. Oh. But my, the eldest three siblings are half siblings. Yeah. So wow. I, I'm a pigeon pair, basically. Yeah, and how old was your dad? Dad was, he was only two years younger, so he was 42. Wow. How was that like in terms of like being the youngest and just, I don't know, having so many like older siblings? It's really good. I mean, it you can really, it really thwarts your ego. You, it mm-hmm. gives you a massive student mentality always, you know. Mm-hmm. You really understand that no one knows everything. Like you can't know everything because you only have one life to live. Mm-hmm. Like... And so you always, it really makes it really easy to always learn from people and grow from other people because you don't attach your ego to anything because growing up, you were always wrong. Like, mm. like mm. whether or not you were actually wrong, you were yeah. the youngest, so you were wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and so when your dad died, like, how did you process that at such a young age? I mean, you don't, really. Did you understand, like, what deaf meant to that age? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, in terms of processing it, mm. like, you don't know what it means for you or for how it's going to affect your life or any of the outcomes that will happen. You know the very immediate outcomes that you can tell as a child are things like mom won't have a husband anymore mm. or... Like, you know about money when you're a kid, so I mm. guess you're like, where where's the money going to come from? And, yeah, like, you don't – that's pro, that's pretty much it that I thought about rationally or consciously. Mm. 
but now as I've gone older, like, but you don't, you process it for the rest of your life. Like it's not, you discover more and more things of how your life would have been different and stuff as you, as you grow older. So. Mm. Did you ever feel jealous of your um, siblings in terms of knowing that they, or did you ever feel as though your siblings knew your dad better than you? Because like you only were able to spend like eight years with him and they like had more time because they're older and so they would have more memories of him. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. It's also you learn as much as you choose to learn as well. And I guess it's that whole nature versus nurture debate as well that I a lot of people I don't know, but lots of people say I'm very, very similar to my father. Mm. Like lots of people and that's really nice when I hear that, but that's always like, well, maybe I did actually get more from him than say my much elder siblings had because it was my the, my elder siblings who were much older than me were from my mom's first marriage, so their dad actually wasn't their biological father. My dad, sorry, wasn't yeah. actually their biological yeah. father. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. But then, so you've got so five, and then your mum has three kids from her previous marriage? That's correct, yes. And then two that are including yourself. Yes. So you've got one, like, full sister. Yeah. Okay. Um, How, being, like, the youngest, like, how did your family, like, I don't know, treat you during that time or I suppose, like, explain what was happening to you? It's really interesting because people often ask me questions like that. Yeah. Because they're not thinking rationally either. So they don't really explain anything to you because they don't know what to say. Mm. Just like you take the rest of your life to process it, 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 everyone else doesn't know how to process it for you in that moment. That makes sense. Like, it's really hard to know what to say when someone's going through massive grief. Mm. Right? Yeah, for sure. And also, my situation is totally different to theirs as well because they were already established adults. Mm. when mom and dad both died so like they didn't like understand they had no cognitive empathy it was all just all over the place Mm -hmm. so when when did your mom die mom died when i was 16 so exactly eight years later oh my gosh but then because you would have been well what was your relationship with your mom like after your dad passed oh it was fantastic Mm. like mom so strong But, I mean, looking back on it now, she definitely shielded my full sister and I. From what? Just, like, the realities of how hard her life was after Dad died. Mm -hmm. And, like, her mental state. And, like, ultimately she died. She died of a heart attack. And Mm -hmm. Dad died of a suicide. She died because Dad died. Like that, those eight year period of that eight year period, she prioritized us completely. So it's letting things like a health slip and a mental health slip and stuff, and that's just not good for mm. like not having a heart attack. <laughs> Sorry mm. for the double negative. Oh my god, no! <laughs> it's all about just I don't know being you and whatnot. Um, but I guess going back to when you were like in primary school. What would you say you were like as a boy? Like, yeah, because I guess you were a boy when you were in primary school. What was Charlie like? Oh, I just wanted to, like, 
burn shit down and destroy stuff. <laughs> and, like, I was crazy. I just, like, rode a motorbike and just, what? like, I used to, like... Uh, Who taught you to ride a motorbike? Um, oh, I had a motorbike. It was mine. It was mine. <laughs> just, yeah. like, a mini one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, when you said that, I just, like, imagined, like, a full-ass motorbike and you just, like, on it. And I was like, how does that even work? Like, what? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would, yeah. I was a menace. I was such a menace. Lots mm. of little evil doings. And, yeah. I'm not going to go into any specifics. <laughs> but. but even something. What's the age gap between you and your sister? Four years. Four years. Okay, that's not too bad. Um, and then when you started like high school, what was grade eight like for you? I feel like. Oh, did you start in grade seven? Is grade seven? I started in grade seven, even though it's usual for people to start in grade yeah. eight. Yeah. Yeah. But I started in grade seven because I did something naughty in my primary school, <laughs> <laughs> and um, they. Yeah, it was good. I really – I made friends straight away. Like, I never really had a problem with that. Mm-hmm. So that was good. And I knew people already as well because some of my friends from primary school had gone to the same high school. Mm-hmm. What school did you go yeah. to? I went to BBC. No, it was a private school. Yeah, yeah. What was that transition like coming from, like, a state school um, that was, like – I suppose you said, like, really, like, mixed in all walks of life – and then going to somewhere like BBC, it's like all boys and like I don't know. That's an interesting question. Sheltered. Yeah, more sheltered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. I didn't think about it at all at the time. Looking back on it now, though, lots of I really, really appreciate BBC for the quality of the education that I got and the people as well. The quality of the people were all really positive people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, but I can see very many of them now lack a lot of perspective on life because of having a life like that. When you lack, when people lack perspective, they also lack empathy, mm-hmm. both types of empathy. They lack like emotional empathy and cognitive empathy because it's hard for them to open their mind and grasp other people's minds and how they feel or mm-hmm. their disposition. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm just glad that that's not me, <laughs> you know, really but that is something that going to a school like that definitely teaches people how to do they when you were like in grade eight sort of thing do you think that you were more open to the world in terms of seeing it as what it was in comparison to your peers or was it more of a progression both both um i was more open to the world in terms of my peers then but in different in a different way to i am now Okay, what was it like then? Well, like then it was perspective. It was larger perspective but still narrow in comparison to what it is now because obviously what I'd been through, I'd understood how life is a bitch and, like, I understood that you can be in any circumstance Mm. and that was just your circumstance. Mm. Like, I was extremely lucky because even though my parents died – Mm. I still got to go to an awesome school and was grew up in Australia and, you know, had clean water and, you know, and I know that now, but I didn't realise that then, mm. even though I knew that life was harder because mm. my dad had died. Mm. It's as though the more perspective you get in terms of other people's lives, 
the worse, the better you realise, sorry, how good you've got it. Mm, that's such a good way to look at it because I always think about, like, when I start complaining about things, I complain a lot. <laughs> Not a lot, but, like, I suppose I get caught up with my life and, like, my mini problems. But then once you take a step back and just look at everything, like the whole world or or just try to like com- not so much compare your problems to other people because I do feel as though everyone problems are valid and it's very like you know your circumstance but I think it's very easy to just get caught up in your life and unless you kind of take yourself out of that and just look at the world as a whole hmm. that you don't completely like get it if yeah. that makes sense yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone needs to pour steam about aspects of their life, mm. like, all the time. Like, you can complain, but you, stepping back and giving yourself perspective, like you said, makes you realize that that complaining, even though it is just complaining, it still has a has a fundamental role. Yeah. Like, in your well-being and stuff. And, like, you can have enough perspective to even look at you complaining subjectively. Mm-hmm. And realising that that really doesn't matter either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what were you like when you were in high school? I was pretty angry kid. Yeah. Pretty angry teenager, yeah. yeah. I found it really hard to fit in, you know. Like, I was like I was, I was good friends with everyone, but I wasn't great friends with anyone, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. Like, people never fully understood me, even though I had, uh, like, co- quite close friends, I was always still the one fighting to be on the inside. Mm-hmm. But I realise now why why that is. But at the time, I didn't. Why was that But it shaped me very much. Oh, it was just, it's just because I was grappling with things that other people didn't understand. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, do you think that during those years, had you found like self-acceptance which is like a weird concept when you think of like when you're in high school that you're like trying to like figure yourself out but you're like do I even accept myself yeah no way not in high school um I still am on the cusp of that I'd say like I I feel like I'll never fully accept myself you know like, I definitely am much better than I was in high school, but I'll never fully be, like, one with myself. Well, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's a hard question as well, but... Yeah. I feel like that's a journey. Yeah. For everyone. That is very true. Sure. Because I always question, like, do we ever completely find ourselves? Um, but then I feel as though we're constantly changing, that it's really hard to... You're like, this is who I am because it could change tomorrow. But then I think it's more just, like, coming to a state that you're, like, I feel as though accepting your flaws rather than more so, like, being, like, this is who I am, but just being, like, this is what I'm not very good at and this is, I don't know, and just, like, accepting those, like, bad things about you. Um, I feel as though it's somewhat... I'm like doing hand gestures right now, guys. <laughs> because sometimes I can't speak and so I just use like No, I've totally understood. Hand gestures going into the direction. Of- yeah. I mean it's it's for me it's that no, it's, okay. it's that 
battle of your spirit folk. This is for me personally. My mm. spiritual side is just what I call it versus my rational side. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can tell a lot about myself in terms of a rational perspective as in like live in West End, I like I study engineering, you know, mm-hmm. I've got this many siblings, like materialistic stuff, but then the whole other spiritual side about actually visualizing who you are as a person and how that feels. Mm-hmm. You know, and like where you're going and I want to use the word soul, but it can also be described as, like, your mental state because Mm -hmm. a really awesome person could have really, really severe depression and anxiety and be the worst person to be around ever, Mm -hmm. you know? Just, like, if they're really happy, they'd make everyone else happy, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, and I think that society in our life really caters heavily towards playing on people's materialistic sides and things that they can rationalize Mm. you know yeah and i think that actually humans weren't meant to be like that people were more meant to focus on their empathetic and sort of emotional Mm -hmm. spiritual side Mm -hmm. i get you i've definitely become more happy since i put much more care and time into worrying about my spiritual and empathetic side and Mm -hmm. Um, when you were in high school, like, but look, this is very stereotypical of me, but it's interesting because, um, whenever I listen into, like, if I'm hanging out with all guys and whatnot and like the things that they talk about compared to like, if I'm with like all of my female friends that for me, that it's like when I talk to my like girlfriends and whatnot, it's very like, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's happening. And like just breaking it down and literally have an hour conversation about like one aspect of my life. Whereas when I listen to guys, it's very like, I don't know, but then it's very stereotypical of me to say this, but it's very like, oh, did you, I don't know, like see that volcano and did you like did you see that motorbike? Like, how do we put this together? Like, very, like, stuff like that rather than talking about their emotions and stuff. And I always – and even with my little brother who is um, 11 at the moment, turning 12 in December, Boxing Day. I'm getting ready for my name. Anyways. (laughs) um, And when he hangs out with his friends, they he's at the stage, it's very, like, video games and blah, blah, blah. But, like, when you were that age and – high school let's say made midway like 15 16 how did you talk about your feelings i definitely didn't really know how mm. there's no way i knew how i mean like yeah i didn't really start seeing a psychiatrist until i was 19 i'd been to like 11 different psychiatrists and psychologists before I found one that I liked. Oh, really? What was it? It was a different like? process. Oh, um, I just needed people that really aligned with me mm. and how I felt. Or, and, yeah, they, it was oftentimes, like, egos that made me really dislike them, like, because, like, they had the ability to be empathetic for me, but they couldn't let their ego go in order to fully cognitively empathize like Mm -hmm. to fully understand Mm -hmm. my situation like that was really hard Mm. because 
still just like it was really hard to find a psychiatrist that could understand. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely as I've gotten older, people around me have become a lot more mature and it's been a lot easier to express my emotions. But it, also I was just never really taught beyond very surface level stuff about the benefits of being vulnerable with people and opening up and sharing perspective and mm. at a young age. Like, it's not that common, mm. really. And, like, you have to be very secure in yourself to be able to do something like that as well. So I think a lot of it come, stems from insecurity. Like, lots and lots of people who are the most egotistical and unable to express themselves and stuff are the most insecure. And I also think it's a bit of a paradox because... The insecurity that you face is also the reason why you don't know how to express yourself mm-hmm. as well as you don't know how to express yourself because mm-hmm. you're insecure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so interesting um, because I feel like... That's for high school. Yeah, That's yeah, 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 yeah. I mean. <laughs> I'm different now. <laughs> for I mean. <laughs> um, I feel as though when... Because when I used to have my blog given this, Taylor, like, I found it very easy to sit in front of a computer and whatnot and, like, write and say how I was feeling or things that were happening. But then I found it really hard to just, like, I'm not very good in, like, super big, um, like, group settings in terms of like if I don't really know people like if it's people that I know that I'm like myself but then I find that a lot of the times when I'm in group settings that I'm just stand back because I don't know how to like just talk to people like I'm I'm normal I'm fine but then I find it hard to just be like I'm just not those people who just get into a room and they just can talk to anyone that I'm better one-on-one but then um one of my friends was like to me, oh, why do you find it easy to go online and be like, this is how I'm feeling in comparison to like in person and like so many random people could see it. But then in my head, I was kind of like, I don't know. It's just, I feel as though in a way everyone semi wants to do the same, but they're just like shy or they're just like, and it's like, just do it. Just say how you're feeling and just. Yeah, I don't totally. Know. It's really hard. It's hard, really hard to be vulnerable, so vulnerable with, people you know like it's like I can't remember how who it was or how I ended up knowing this story but there was like an ancient king in the crusades or back in medieval times and he wanted to this prince wanted to marry his daughter to you know put their kingdoms together and you know be allies and when he was meeting the prince he said like this is my three-year-old niece or nephew or whatever but be friends with them Mm -hmm. and take care of them and he let the prince marry his daughter because that prince who was like the master commander and like heir to the throne and like brilliant didn't use any of that any of the materialistic ego driven stuff in his life to impress this three-year-old he got down on his knees and he pretended like he was a pig and really that just says like if you draw back what human connection is to the very most basic thing that you learn is such a young age it is like vulnerability yeah because like when you're a kid all you had to be was like all you had to do to make friends is be like will you be my friend and then Mm -hmm. that makes you vulnerable because they have the opportunity to say no and reject you yeah yeah and then that then they'd say yes and then you were friends mm-hmm. yeah for sure 
Um, do you think that you would ever, like, have kids? Uh, I've been thinking about that a lot recently, actually. I feel like... You're so young as well, so obviously, like... Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that changed. I changed rapidly. Mm. At the moment, I'm in a period of being like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I will ever have kids. Yeah. But I just, like, deep down, I know that I'll eventually get to this point where forces of nature will make me, like, able to rationalize enough good reasons to have kids. Because, I mean, also, I've said that to older people in my life, and they've all given me reasons, like, well, you know, if your child's better than you are, then, like, you're making a positive contribution to the world after you die. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, stuff like that. There's so many arguments for and against. At the moment, I'm like, no, but... We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I asked that because, like, I think about the way that I was raised and whatnot and then all the things that – because I – um, so I didn't grow up with my parents. Um, I moved to Australia when I was, like, seven. And then I live with my aunt um, and then my mum lives in um, America. Um, and then, like, my dad and I was just kind of mm, – yeah um (laughs) like not a thing like I don't know like we've tried to build a relationship now um but he hasn't fully been in the picture um but yeah in the way that like my aunt raised me and stuff and my aunt and I always have like all these discussions because we view the world quite differently but similar um and I always think how would I like raise my kids because I reckon I'm going to have kids, even though I'm not, like, jumping in the opportunity now. But, like, like later on, maybe, you know, like, quite a few years down the track. But I think how I was in primary school and high school, like, what I would teach my kids, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. But, like, hypothetically, if you had kids, like, how do you think you would raise them? Um, I would very much similar, do it similarly. Similarly. <laughs> to how my parents did. Yeah. I would just let, like, the little dirtbag make his own mistakes. Like, take care of him when he needed it and show him how, show him what love is and connection and stuff. But, like, not try and control him. Let him be whoever he's going to be. Mm. Like, I want him to see me as something to learn from rather than something that's sort of imposed on him. Like, if you give people the opportunity to learn and grow, they see the value in it more than if you, like, make them take the opportunity. Like, if you force them to learn and Mm. force them to do it because they never truly understand the benefits. So, yeah, I'd focus a lot on that, but I would just let my children be whoever they were going to be and I would try and give them a wide range of perspectives and experiences but mainly just show them what love is and how to take care of yourself emotionally and physically and like teach them that the world really i mean people often forget that you don't need very much to survive mm. like you seen that there's this study they did in america that they found that people who make any more than seventy thousand dollars a year aren't actually don't actually have any increase in happiness and well-being Um, any well below that you're not able to meet your fundamental needs for life mm -hmm. like very well yeah but above that once you can get that extra above what you need to survive yeah then it's not like worth it yeah 
I always find that so interesting because so many people talk about, like, people who, like, that someone can seem like they have everything, like, money and fame and whatnot, but can also be so sad inside and not fulfilled. And I suppose coming from someone who is very, like, lower, like, middle class, that like I'm always like what like but you've got everything how can you how can you not be happy but I suppose if I as I've grown up I realized that like self-acceptance and just like how you view and see the world and the relationships that you have like that shit's real and means so much absolutely more it's like great book is sapiens you ever heard of it it's just like evolutionary psychology about where humans came from and like the different ways they evolved over time and migrated and how that affects how we react as people and how we react to modern society things and what makes us happy and stuff. Another really good one is Happy Brain by Dean Burnett. He's a neurologist and comedian. He also did Idiot Brain. And it's just like all the different processes and things in our life that make us release certain chemicals in our brain and mm-hmm. teach us to be happy really yeah and like how and it focuses a lot on like things that make you use parts of your brain that make you happy mm-hmm. and like you realize once you read that sort of stuff that we evolved from primitive apes that lived in tribes in the middle of the jungle like <laughs> so crazy unfortunately um, yeah. and i'm sorry that like, this is just my beliefs, obviously. Yeah. My opinion is very subjective yeah. to anything. But that's like, you can't, yeah. I'm very, I try to be as non judgmental as I can because you can't have these conversations if you're going to judge the other person. Because mm. I don't know what the ultimate, like, ultimately, no one knows. Anything can be real. I know. Yeah. Changing, going a bit, changing subject or so. Um, but like, when you were in high school, Oh, actually, when did you start to date? Like, was it in high school? Like, in terms of, like, feelings and, like, love and... Oh, my God, this is... <laughs> yeah, this too. Well, I always had, like... I always was interested in girls. I had dates. Like, mm-hmm. did things at high schools and has and had things or whatever. But my first girlfriend was when I was 19. When oh, I, it was, like, post-high school. It was post-high school, yeah. So, like, uh, okay. I had, like, little – I wouldn't even call them girlfriends, though. Like, I'd, it would just be, like, you're my girlfriend now, and then we would never see each other, you know. Like, it was, like, I just wanted – I like the idea of it more than actually doing it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, but it was also – I realise this now, but I was so hectically – depressed and an- anxious all throughout my childhood and after dad died in high school mm-hmm. and when I was 19 that's when I started seeing a psychiatrist and she prescribed me antidepressants mm-hmm. I got on my antidepressants and it stopped making me feel so numb all the time that I was able to like go into a relationship you know I like got into a relationship as soon as I started on my antidepressants Mm -hmm. and that just to me had to say something about this state massive state of mind um so in terms of like your first or prior to going into that how or what was your thoughts on like love or relationships or just that sector I suppose well my my mom and dad's relationship was fantastic Mm. they had an awesome marriage they both had a really strong common interests and personalities that go along really well 
they also were very great independent people. Mm-hmm. So I knew how to have a relationship. Like I'd been exposed to a really successful one at a really young age. So yeah, I knew like I knew what it takes to be connected to someone. And I've always had really, really awesome, successful relationships. Never actually been through a breakup despite having four girlfriends. Knowing through, like, do you mean breakup in the sense of you don't talk to that person ever again? Or like, it's, it was always like they got an opportunity that was the best thing for them. Oh, and then they and had then to leave. And then I had to leave. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I never actually broke up with them. It was always just like, oh, you know, like I wouldn't want to be the reason that yeah. I stopped you from doing something like this. So, yeah. And, and now I'm still great friends with all of them and they're mm. all living in different parts of the world and stuff and I still like, I'm great friends with them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and I'm very lucky for that. That's so interesting. Do you think that, like, I don't know, do you believe that everything happens for a reason or, like, just, I don't know, like, when you see, like, a pattern in your life in terms of, like, people moving or whatnot, like, does it hold a significance or is it just, like, a coincidence? When, what do you mean when you say people moving? So, like, in your situation in terms of, like, um, everyone that you've been with, you've never really had, like, a straight breakup because they've, like, moved away. And then for me... Every person who I've dated, um, that it's either, like, it's never worked out because we've never been in, like, the same city or, like, I've met them in Brisbane and then they've had to travel or I've met them whilst um, overseas and then they've had to go. Like, it's always, like, passing by people that it's never, like, okay, we're in the same city, this is going to work or – and. I talk to my friends about this because literally everyone who I meet, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're moving to, I don't know, China, hypothetically, tomorrow. And then my friends will be like, oh, yeah, that kind of sounds like someone you would end up with, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like, why does this happen to me? Like, does this have meaning? Like, is the universe trying to tell me something? And then one of my really close friends, she was like, maybe the universe is trying to tell you that you should leave Brisbane or something like that and I was like is it <laughs> I don't know I I get what you're saying I, I understand more so now I'm going to take it a little bit different of a direction and mm-hmm. answer your question in a different way I think that it's not a, it's not a good or a bad thing people moving as long as you have a connection with them that isn't just going to break down on at the same rate as everything around you does like mm-hmm. I'm going to take it back to what I was talking about before. Like if you have a really deep sort of spiritual connection with someone, they can move and that would be the best thing for you and them because you can expand into other avenues of your life or within yourself and they can as well. And you'll know that that core fundamental aspect of who they are isn't going to change. But if you base your, I feel like if you base your relationships off really rationalized, materialistic things, like knowing stuff about stuff and their specific things in their life and like stuff they're doing and things and being really in touch and mm. with them, yeah, that can change and that can break down and that necessarily, that is something that you can lose. Mm-hmm. I think it's about balancing your relationship with having that fun, rationalized sort of experiences and stuff with people as well as having the more spiritual vulnerable deep connection with them because you can fall back on that because i know that if i have that with someone and they move overseas 
seeing them eventually, no matter how long it takes, is going to be awesome because they are the person that I still maybe have to connect and know that that other person's a good person that we can trust them. And then I just get to learn about like a whole different life now because they're somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you have that connection, you can see someone else as a conduit for you to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I get what you mean. Um, how much value do you put on love, like in like your whole life when it comes to Charlie, like the things that he like prioritizes, like what what places loves it at yeah it's probably like the largest probably the highest priority thing in my life like yeah of course (laughs) like um but love is not just an intimate love yeah i mean intimacy is pretty much equated to vulnerability Mm. but not just like a relationship i mean loving everyone around me like my sister and johnny I love Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) And my, you know, other good, really good close friends that I can have that with. Yeah, for sure. Um, And taking it a little bit back, when when did you start to, like, hit puberty? Like, what age? Oh, I started when I was, like, I think I saw my first pube at, like, 13. (laughs) But I, um, I, yeah, I was a late bloomer. As well, like by that stage, I had friends with facial hair and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, I was such a late bloomer. I think I was as well. Like, I probably had my first period when I was like fourteen, and I had people in like primary school who were like having their periods, and I was like, oh wow. Yeah. But I was like, and then when it happened, I was just like, <sighs> like so annoyed and just <laughs> like. My life is over. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but what was that like in terms of, like, your body changing and all these, like, new things? Like, who did you ask? Like, did you ever ask I knew people? so much about it. No, oh, really? Puberty is like a competition for guys. Puberty is like, yeah, like, look at my pubes. Like, I'm further through puberty than you. And, like, like I, was, I was always called the skin. Oh. Ever heard that term? Nah. Skin's like prepubescent. Oh, uh, yeah. You yeah. have skin instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So you kind of were just like, I don't know, down with it and just like knew what was happening? Yeah, I just knew what was happening. I just knew from like sex ed and seeing my parents naked a lot at a young age. And, like, you know, <laughs> like I think it's different for guys and girls as well because guys are taught to be very flaunting of their sexuality and, mm. and stuff. Mm, yeah and their yeah. testosterone makes them like arrogant kind of like arrogant and like <laughs> chauvinistic i guess a lot of hand gestures and like <laughs> head movements at the moment <laughs> <laughs> i'm um, not definitely not used to being recorded i'm more used to just like forcing the information to come out yeah rather than actually trying to think about how i should say it yeah and having to be like oh, blah, blah, blah. um <laughs> what was your first like introduction to like sex what was it like well like in terms of <laughs> in terms of like when did you first like know about sex and then like when you actually Oh my god, I knew about sex such such a young age. Like I've one of my first memories was like lying in bed and like my parents having sex and rolling over the top of me, like and then my dad being like, Oh shit, did I wake him up? 
Can I wake him up? Nah, I think he's still asleep. And then going back to having sex. Like, literally, I was, like, five, four or five years old. It was, like, one of my very first memories. Because I was super attached to them, so I'd always sneak into their bed once they'd fallen asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. But, I mean, it's pretty cool to know that they'd been together for ages and had two kids and were still having sex so much that they couldn't wait for me to get out of the bed, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah. And then – but what was – I don't know, like, how do boys, like, like when you're in high school, like, how do boys talk about sex or when you guys, like, have conversations about that? Like, it's, it's like, completely competition making everyone insecure. Oh, really? Yeah, like, it's all about, like, being competitive and who's kissed the most girls or who's done what with a girl who's mm-hmm. been to the furthest base or you know yeah like guys are very like that in high school and I used to feel bad a lot because I was really really short and didn't get very many girls like I was always good at talking to girls but I was never the boy that they wanted to kiss in high school and uh so I was always that always made me feel bad because I thought everybody else was getting so much. But as I've gotten older, I've also realized that guys just do that in general. They kind of just talk up like mm-hmm. what they've done and make made it seem like they're adequate mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I can understand that. But like, I guess now, like growing up, actually no, like when you were in high school, how did you view? girls because you went to like an all boys school so having like that interaction like after school like what was it like well I was raised by pretty much just my mom yeah and my sister yeah okay yeah that's very true very I've always been quite feminine Mm -hmm. like oftentimes people will think I'm gay Mm. just like when they first meet me because Mm -hmm. I'm very feminine and very open and, like, spent my whole life with women. So I never really had any problem interacting with women or ever. I used to, my friends and stuff, I would see them doing terrible things to women and, like, just being, yeah, like, misogynist. Yeah. And I would just be like, you guys are idiots. Like, <laughs> mm. don't actually understand. I don't know. It's now we live, well, first of all, we live in a matriarchal society, like mm-hmm. the queen, everyone, mm-hmm. and... Also, aren't bonobo apes our theoretically closest relative? They're matriarchal as well. Oh, really? So it's like, like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Did you say, does that make any sense? Oh, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, I was like, are you asking me? Not, not feminine, but does it make any sense? Yeah. <laughs> it, make sense? Okay. it does. Um, and then when you had sex for the first time, like, how because I feel as though for me like before I had sex I was like just like my understanding of what it was compared to like when I actually did it and I was just like whoa this is just so different and and I think even just watching like movies and whatnot that like it's just so I don't know like represented so weirdly and just so like (laughs) yeah you know, I don't know. <laughs> but what was that like in terms of like when you had sex for the first time and how you felt like afterwards compared to like what you thought about sex? I, it was like sex for the first time. It's just like, you're just like, 
oh my god, like, I can't get enough of it. It just changes the way you think, you know, it restructures your mind around mm-hmm. this release that you've had. And at the time, obviously, that's what I was like. I was, can't get enough of it. I was sex crazed. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, I was sex crazed <laughs> before I'd had sex, but now I was actually, like, knew what it was like. I was even more like, oh my God. You oh, know? really? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Looking. I also realized quite quickly, though, how much of an emotional experience it is mm. and, like, actually how spiritual sex is. Like, even at that young age, I kind of realized that quickly. But mm-hmm. also my uh, my insecurity and just, need, like, basic human need for trying to prove myself amongst my peers and stuff made me more crazy about it than, like, introspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't learn that much. <laughs> That's so interesting. But then I also feel as though sex for the first time is like really different. Oh my god, I'm getting one of those pop up things again. Ugh. Anyways, it's really different like for guys and girls because I don't know. Like I feel as though when it comes to like pleasure for guys, that that is something that you hear about a lot, and especially in porn, like you know that's represented in a much better way in comparison to like females. That I don't know that sex was was I I didn't get it. Like no, I didn't get it, but I was just kind of like I don't know. Like I just expected to just feel this thing and be like oh my god this is amazing and then <laughs> I, I was I like saying, yeah. this is kind of painful this is kind of what am I doing this is kind of weird <laughs> and I was just like okay it's- yeah I also think that like sex men are a lot less complicated in terms of sex and stuff as than women for sure without yeah. a doubt like <laughs> Like, it would be, yeah. There's very specific procedures and protocols and stuff that you have to do to make (laughs) a woman really enjoy sex. But whereas a man, you can just, like, you just do it. Like, (laughs) you can just just lie there, like, really. Like like that. (laughs) I think procedures and protocols was the wrong choice of words as well. I think you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Um, well, how do you view your sex now? Like, seeing as you're older in comparison to the first time that you did it, because you said you were like, you were like, oh my god, this new thing, and like, yeah, um, it depends. It depends a lot on my emotional attachment to. Now I can very much separate emotions and like the physical part of sex so Mm -hmm. like for example if i sleep with someone that i like don't really care about and i'm just like traveling and it's overseas or whatever i'll be a lot more relaxed and like able to have more of a fun time with them and like Mm -hmm. do more adventurous things and be more fluid in the way i have sex with them but with people that i really like i have to be in like a specific mood and like I have to, like, the time has to be right and because it, it's, like, there's more emotional bearing on it and so it won't feel as good based on how the sex goes or how I feel throughout mm. the sex, you know? Yeah, yeah. Also, like, 
yeah, you can just be shame, way more shameless when you know that there's no long-term thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's so interesting um, because, like, I always – like, I've had conversations with my guy friends who would be like, oh, yeah, but it's just – like, it's just sex, that it's just easy for them to not have that Im- – emotional connect I'm not saying that like this is obviously everything I say here is very subjective because this is more my personal experiences and who I am as a person um, I'm definitely not saying that females can't just have sex and like they need like an emotional connection um but then some I don't know for me as a person that I'm I'm always I can't understand what am I trying to say? No. So, like, my guy friends are like, yeah, it's just sex. Like, they can just have sex with someone and for it to just not mean anything. And I'm always like, wow, like, how do you, like, how do you do that? Like, how, like, is that a thing? Can you just have sex with someone and just not feel anything towards them? And just, I don't know, to because I'm like, you must feel something that, you can suppress that part of yourself. Mm. Like, it takes effort. It's definitely, like, thing that you have to tell yourself you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot easier when you and that person don't have anything in common or, like, mm-hmm. you don't actually have any emotional connection in terms of you don't – you never released, a, like, oxytocin in your brain when you were hanging out with them because you never made that Mm -hmm. connection with them and so like people who often can do that really easily they're either sleep they're either really good at finding people to sleep with that are completely different to them or they don't have very much going on for them and so yeah like Mm -hmm. they're not i don't know i mean like the only times i've ever been able to do that really is when we bought it's just been Girls that we both in that frame of mind where we're both like not interested, we yeah. just want to have sex. Yeah, which is also fine, and and I think that sex is a beautiful thing, and very much so in us, like we're humans and we're hmm. yeah, sexual beings. Um, taking it back, what would you say? I don't know. What does like boyhood mean to you? What is boyhood? I feel like it's it's that moment when you know when you're like you're a really young boy and you like a girl, and so you go and throw sand in her face, and then she starts crying, and everybody's annoyed at you, and then your dad gets down on one knee and puts his hand on your shoulder and says like. Like that's not, I mean, like I know you like her, but that's not how, that's not how things like this work. You know, like you have to be empathetic, and I think it's for me, it's about learning where some of our my primitive instincts come from. Mm. You know, because like I said, I was really crazy as a young child. I did lots of naughty things and did whatever I wanted, and was mm. and yeah, and it's and it was just because I just. Did what I felt. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I get what you mean. Like you're saying that boyhood, it's more about just like learning and like learning from the people like, like I don't know, older than you and like I suppose figuring out 
the world and like like or what your actions like how they affect other people so yeah I think if that makes sense yeah totally yeah totally. I get you how do you view like a family unit now I think that anyone can be family mm-hmm. like or what importance does family hold to you I should probably say so my family it's always really refreshing because they know me really well mm. Like, they they know how to push my buttons, which isn't always a good thing. They also know how to make me feel really good about myself. And, like, my family can make me feel better about myself than anyone can. Yeah. And, like, when they listen, truly know what I mean, can see. Like, my sister and I, who have been through the same thing, my full sister and I, mm. we're, like, the same person almost. Like, when we talk, it's just, like, we just go into our own little world and no one can... We have so many, like, little personal jokes and so many, like, things that we've gotten over the years that we say that the other person understands and no one else knows. And just, like, yeah, we, we speak very efficiently as well, like, because mm-hmm. we, we know everything the other person knows. It's just, yeah, family is very comforting. Yeah. So they understand you. They can understand you. But you can have that outside of blood relatives. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, when your mum passed away and you were like 16, what was that like in terms of just because obviously you're older and so you understand more, like how were you able to just like process that? Um, so you would have been grade 11? It was kind of just like, oh shit, not again. Yeah. Not again, please, not again. But that was also like I expected more from some of my older siblings. Hmm. And didn't end up getting what I needed from them. And so that was really hard. But mom was a, mom's death was way harder than dad's death. Was it because you were older or just more because? Older and way more attached. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I was just like, I always just wondered what type of person I'd become as well. Because at least when you have parents, you have something to compare yourself to. Mm-hmm. That's the hard, That's one of the hardest things is not having that person to judge yourself side by side with them not knowing the direction you're going in and like it makes it a lot harder to go there go this is the type of person I'm gonna be and I'm happy with who I am now obviously I'm very happy with it Mm -hmm. but at 16 I was just like holy crap like I'm probably gonna turn out really fucked up (laughs) 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 like I was just I was I couldn't even think about it though I used to have this reoccurring dream. Oh, I will tell you this. Mm. Um, and this, what I've just said, I think relates to the symbolism in this dream. Mm. After mom and dad, I had this reoccurring dream where I was in the middle of the ocean and it's like a stormy night and the waves are huge and it's really choppy. There's like waves in every single direction going in every direction and they're like, and it's really dark and it's really windy and I'm an, anchor like you know the classic like pirate ship anchor are they like the leader the leader the yeah. anchor the anchor is the thing that <laughs> secures the boat in the uh. when you stop yep 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 i know that <laughs> and um i was an anchor but i was floating and i was floating on these waves and i was getting like tipped about and like flipped upside down mm. and like 
I was just in this like state of panic where I, all I was was this anchor just floating out at sea in really turbulent, stormy water. Mm-hmm. And like it was like I'd lost the boat. Like at the beginning of the dream, I'd always, I always had this chain attached to a boat, and then the chain would break, and I would lose the boat and it would mm-hmm. disappear into the stormy ocean waves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a reoccurring dream after Mum died. Mm-hmm. That's probably as much as I processed, really. Like, because it is something that you can't really mm-hmm. process. Yeah. What were your friends like during that time? Were um, you in grade eleven? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were good. I had I I have one friend that was there all the time and straight away, and he was really good. But I never get to see him anymore as well. But um, my other friends were good. I it's actually like in the first period of time like up to three three to six months after mom's death everyone is really good yeah but then only truly some people stick around like if someone near you the relative dies and you message them you're better off messaging them two three months later about it Mm, than immediately than immediately because right at the beginning you're flooded with so much love and affection and everything and then often people go back to their lives and don't realize actually mm-hmm. that you're living with it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. How do you view death? Because like, I've never had anyone um, really close to me die, but I always think about death. And for me, I see death as like the one thing that makes living worthwhile, if that makes sense. Because um, I feel as though without death, nothing would be special and because we know that we're not always going to be here um that we kind of have to make the most out of our time and the relationships that we like make with people they just seem so much more special because even though we're like well like oh yeah we're chilling on this earth and whatnot it's still very strange and i don't know but how do you view view dad yeah that's that's really good. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Really, really like that. It is it is a good way to make life worth living. It's really awesome. I like that a lot. Um, I definitely don't want to die. Yeah. I, <laughs> I definitely don't, don't want to die as well, obviously. That's an interesting question. I don't yeah. really, like, it's just like someone's no longer in your, that seems really, it's really, really stupid, but. They're just no longer there. Like <laughs> It's the strangest thing in the entire world. Yeah. It really is. I kind of just accepted that death is, like, death. Mm. I know it's, it seems like I can understand how why you'd ask that question because it seems like a crazy concept when you haven't mm. experienced it, but that is kind of just what it is. Mm. Um, yeah. It's really necessary. Yeah. And when you're young, you're just so, like, I don't know. Like when you're a boy, that you just don't really think about it. But then obviously with you, you were kind of like forced to ex- not so much experience it, but like experience the aftermath of like someone passing away and whatnot. But hmm. it's interesting. Um, I always ask everyone these same sets of questions at the end because I forgot to write it down. So I think these are it, or maybe I'll listen back to it and be like, damn, that wasn't it. But anyways, um, um, who has influenced you the most, like, in your life? 
if you have to choose one person. Oh, my, my sister Jackie, my full sister Jackie, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Uh, we we grew up we grew up together, and we both went through the same shit, losing out both our parents mm. while we were growing up. It was always like us versus everyone else, like not everyone else, but like it was. Mm-hmm. I could always fall back and confide in her and how she was feeling, and she's also really really smart and just had a lot to teach and was. It's very profound and struggles with the same mental issues that I did. So, like, mm-hmm. we both know how to be very open, like, a long time to forge that mentality. But mm. we've both got there in the end mm. and we wouldn't have been able to do it if we didn't have the other person. Because mm. we, like, if we can't share how we feel, what our life's like with each other, like the person we've gone through everything with, stuff that we're never going to be able to. So, yeah. My sister, my full sister, for sure. Mm. Um, just quickly going back to when you started to see a psych, was that you who decided to like do that, or was it like other people who were like, "Oh, I reckon you should like go and see a psych." It was both, but like mm. the thing is, I would try and find one, and then I would hate them all, and then I would stop, and then yeah. like I'd have it would get worse, and then people would be like, "Try again," like. Mm-hmm. Keep trying and then I'd go and try. And then that happened a lot of times where people kind of got me back on the on the trying thing and then I'd lose hope. And then it was actually wasn't me that found it, it was my sister. Really? Yeah, because she, she was going through the same thing of like trying to find a psychiatrist and trying to find, like seeing tons of different psychiatrists all the time to try and figure out which one was the best. Mm. Yeah. How long have you been with this one that you see now? Since I was 19, so That's three so good. years. Wow. Do you feel like they really know you, like, as a person? Because Absolutely. That's, like, I always feel like whenever I go there that I should be asking her about her life and, like, Mm. I want you to tell me about, like, your life and, like, what's going on with you because, like, you know everything about me, like, Mm. things that I wouldn't talk to anyone else about, like, Mm. yeah. Yeah. Um. Who, living or dead, can be anyone, um, who would you invite over for dinner? Um, probably my dad. Yeah. I think that would give me a good indication of, like, where I was going and mm. I could have some interesting things to talk to me about. It would be in- really interesting to see how different I am from him because mm. he died. Yeah. It's so interesting you say that because whenever I, like, in terms of, like, you've been, like, seeing your parents and where they're at or what they did or whatnot gives you, like, a better indication of, like, who you are or, like, where you're going. But I've never viewed it in that way. But I but I think that's, like, so, like, interesting because it, it kind of does give you, like, a better perspective of who you are because in the end it's, you're, like, half of those people combined yeah. together which is crazy yeah like totally or even if your parents are dicks you can be like they're dicks and at least i'm not like them because they make me feel like shit and i'm not like that so mm. that means that at least i'm not a dickhead like my parents mm. <laughs> um did you ever feel this is a bit weird but did you ever feel like anger towards your dad because of the way that he died or was it just something that you just accepted oh absolutely um suicide is one of those things that 
it's just like so selfish. Mm. Well, it is. It's really selfish. You, like, think about the people that you're going to hurt before you kill yourself. <laughs> like, especially because, like, suicide's a permanent solution to, like, temporary problems. Mm. Like, yeah. I was really angry. I still am, like, pretty angry about it. Like, I've accepted it, but I'm still, like, an idiot. I mean, yeah. You just must, you have to be in a pretty bad way to want to kill yourself. Yeah. Also, though, like, you see people who tried to kill themselves and then ended up with, like, lifelong debilitating disabilities, Mm. injuries, stuff. And then they, they live their life. Like, that always blows my mind as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, damn, I'm trying to think of these other questions I usually ask people. I think one of it is like, oh, one of it is like, um, <laughs> so random. If you had to choose, like, one thing to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, any one thing? Yeah, like, it has, it could just be one thing you had to, like... Can it be oh, a meal? Actually, wait. One meal? No, 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 that's not the question. It's if you only had one day to live, what would you eat? One day to live. Yeah. What would I eat? Oh, I would eat. I would definitely have Atlantic salmon. (laughs) I love how specific that was. Not just salmon, but Atlantic salmon. Oh, yeah, Atlantic salmon. I would like lovely lots of smoked salmon and, Mm. and like, prawns and oysters. Oh, my God. And, like, fish and mud crab. I would just have, like, a Wait, you like a huge seafood person. Yeah, I love seafood. (laughs) I was just like, whoa. <laughs> Probably all of that, yeah. Oh. No, I would just, like, go somewhere really, really beautiful and just sit and gorge on that and then maybe try heroin. <laughs> it's like, if you only have one day to live, you may as well just to see what it's like. <laughs> just go for it. <laughs> um, and lastly, if you only had one message to, like, spread to the world for our listeners, um, what would it be? Or, like, a life motto or something? I quite like this one. A really switched-on person, a really intelligent person, knows that they know nothing. Whereas, like, a stupid person is always going to think that they know more mm. than other people. Like, the only reason I really like that is just because it really touches on that perspective thing that I was talking about before. Like, you can't have more than one life's worth of perspective. So there's no way you're ever going to know everything. Mm. So it's like, you know, you're always going to miss an opportunity to learn if you have any sort of ego attached to anything. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, and I just realised I didn't even ask you about, like, career or so, like, I don't know, like, what... So you study engineering, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like, how did you get into that or... How did you find, like, your career path? I just really liked challenges and maths and problem solving was, like, always a big challenge that I quite liked. And got, my dad was an engineer. I've got that sort of analytical mind mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> um, I just needed something to work towards, you know? Like I know. Really? And engineering was a good choice. Mm-hmm. It was hard. It challenged me. Like, are you still doing it, or are you finish? I am. What actually. year are you? Fourth year. How long I did just, you go? For? I actually just finished, but I need. I just 
I was oh. at a job interview this morning for Oh my god, for that. Engineering, yeah. Oh my god, so you're graduating this December? Um, so I took I've taken extra subjects in coding next semester. Oh. Although I've finished my civil engineering degree. Yeah. I just took a few more electives in coding. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking for positions now mm-hmm. to get my foot in the door. Yeah. Although I'm not gonna get my certificate because I also have to put in it's like a hundred hours of professional development. No, sorry, it's like 350 hours of professional development, but only 100 of it you can get from doing an unpaid internship. Uh, and so I've done my all my rest of it. I just need to do that unpaid internship. Yeah, yeah. To get my last little piece. Oh, my gosh, dude, that's insane. But, like, so exciting. Like, are you excited? Yeah. Yeah. I am excited. I don't know if it's de- definitely going to be a thing that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. But... I'm definitely excited to get off mm. to start <laughs> at anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I like the skills more than I like the career. That's the thing with engineering. I like what it allows me to do and the fact that it's applicable mm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like the thing but of you saying of... you like having something to work towards because I always love having something that feels like it's mine regardless of what happens with friends or family or even this podcast or even this blog that it's always I refreshing to have like a, a project something that's always going to be yours and it doesn't matter if you have to falling out with someone that that will always be yours yeah yeah exactly and you can look at like your experiences with someone as always being yours even if you break up with them we we're talking about before of like appreciating like what it was for what it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I get like, that. It's like that. You've heard that saying: if you love them, let them go. Um, I have actually I have I. Or no, or maybe I've heard. No, I've heard something else. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, it's very very true. Yeah. I want to be more like that because I feel as though I always get, um, like, I feel things very, like, deeply and I always get very, like, caught up with people and emotions and just kind of, yeah, I like that. (laughs) Just taking a step back and just being like, it was what it was and this is the future and anyways now we're just trailing off but thank you so much for coming on i really enjoyed our conversation thank you very much i enjoyed it as well oh thank you <laughs> so polite i was being like i enjoyed that I enjoyed <laughs> and cool. thanks johnny for getting us in touch legend <laughs> okay guys i will catch you another time Thank you for listening to Taylor. To explore more Taylor things, visit the blog at taylor.me. You'll find further articles, visuals, and a space to think, learn, and grow. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.